coming up on the 70% Podcast. Say a trafficker recruits a young boy or girl. You know, they give them all these promises. First, they pose as more of like a partner figure, a boyfriend or girlfriend figure. And they get them into this lifestyle, usually, you know, drugs as well. But um, it offers a freedom maybe that they don't have. The average age of these kids is 12 to 13 years old. Um, So I think a lot of people assume that it's just like a 17, 16, 17 year old runaway kid that is looking for trouble or is looking for trouble. And, and, you know, but in most cases they get enticed to do this. And I think when we give our children that autonomy to be able to make some decisions with guidance and support sure, and be able to grow their boundaries in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is a moot point at that point because those kids can't be victims because right. that person that approaches them already knows right they, from the first five minutes they talk to them. This kid is too confident. Right. They're not They'll tell the world. Over. Yep. They're not mm-hmm. going to get over on this child. When I was driving my kid to school the other day, just the thing that kept coming back in my mind about all of this is, you know, the only way for evil to triumph is for good people to stand by and say nothing. And I feel That's like... one of my favorite Einstein quotes. Yes. So I was uh, t- uh, 14 years old, walking down the streets of Brooklyn. I seen a gentleman, a guy, beating up a woman. I stepped in at 14. And I said, hey, and, and I didn't call the attention to I it. I walked up to the guy and I said, hey, stop hitting her. And the woman herself told me it's okay. She oh. knew that this guy would do more damage to me oh. than he was doing to her. I, I don't have a friend from my childhood that has not been molested. I mean, YouTube has a ton, a ton of survivor stories. If you don't think this is real, go out oh to YouTube gosh. and say, uh, and and put in uh, human sex trafficking, trafficking stories and see how many hits you get. It's yep. unbelievable. We're sending them into situations where they get taken advantage of, they sure. get used, sure. because we're not teaching them that it's okay to say no to people and set boundaries. Right. It is getting more attention in the media, but not enough. We still have 300,000 people. Absolutely. It's just in the United States on a daily basis. It's some sort of victim of human trafficking. The 70% Podcast with your host, Amy Alexander and Mike Sewell. I'm Mike Sewell. I'm Amy Alexander. The 70% Podcast. Welcome. We have a guest tonight. Okay, so let's set the stage real quick. Okay, so first off, Amy's on the road. So she's she's traveling, but not like not like I was traveling where I was making enough a bunch of noise in the background and we couldn't even use that show. You can actually hear her. Yeah, I don't have any uh, flight four six two seven report to. <laughs> yeah, that uh, was kind of crazy, but I know, I know. Right. we got through it. So, uh, and then we have a guest this evening. Like Amy said, we have uh, Paula, and I'll, I'm going to let her say her last name so this way I don't screw it up. I don't like butchering people's names. So Paula. <laughs> Uh, tell us your last. Uh, tell us your last name, and then tell us a little bit about your background, a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, so it's Melcheski, Paula Melcheski, and um, so basically, I have a background in human services, and I um, work for the Department of Corrections in um, a probation and parole uh, role, and I just do a lot of research on childhood trauma and trauma, and you know. Things like human trafficking and things like that. So I'm excited that you invited me on. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so good segment. So we're gonna continue the show with uh, human trafficking. This is probably uh, probably gonna be our last show on it. What we're trying to do is uh, bring awareness to just how prevalent this is and and not only in the United States in general, um, but how how it breaks down to a local level. Um, wouldn't you agree, Amy? Yeah, and last week when we had Sergeant Matthew Wilson from the Brown County Police Department, he's an investigator that um, deals in human trafficking and told us some stories about different um, arrests and things like that. So uh, go ahead and check out that show. Not right now, but after the show (laughs) is over. And um, yeah, we've been, and this all kind of stemmed from the um, Maxwell trial uh, and talking about 
you know, doing some research on that, realizing how many people are actually affected by human trafficking and the different aspects of it, whether it's, you know, for the sex portion of it or mm-hmm. if it's um, labor. Um, I mean, even get into human organs and, and things like that, where there are so many people out there that um, are victims of these things. But I don't think people really realize how prevalent it is. Just in uh, on. Northeast Wisconsin here, uh, the sergeant was telling us about uh, different cases. And we were talking more specifically with him uh, <laughs> about uh, uh, the sex trafficking and so forth and, right. um, you know, of, of teenagers and young people and so forth. But uh, today we're going to turn the subject a little bit towards um, just just trafficking in general. And I think Paula has some information for us uh, about uh, uh, kids in foster care. Yes. Um, so if people, you know, listen to things about human trafficking, often a lot of the victims of human trafficking have at least a background in the foster care system. Um, as we know, traffickers are going to pick more vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. So um, kids that aren't as awful as it sounds, maybe going to be missed as much from troubled homes um, or, you know, just in foster care homes. Even if they're good ones, um, one, I guess, way that traffickers will work is obviously recruiting from for, from other victims that they've recruited. So, mm-hmm. you know, foster, you know. Hold, hold on real quick. Dive into that a little bit deeper. Explain that a little bit deeper. So you're saying that the victims uh, are recruiting for these people? Yes. So it sounds funny to us, obviously, you know, living our quote unquote normal lives, but Um, So say a trafficker recruits a young boy or girl and, um, you know, they give them all these promises. First, they pose as more of like a partner figure, a boyfriend or girlfriend figure, and they get them into this lifestyle, usually, you know, drugs as well. But um, it offers a freedom maybe that they don't have. Oh, you can go. You're so grown up. You know, you're so responsible. You can take care of yourself. You're an old soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And really preys on those vulnerabilities. And then, you know, once they're in, they're working, they've got them in the system. Then it's, okay, go tell your friends how great this is. You know, go get me a couple more girls or, you know, a couple more boys. And so that's how... You know, and these are people they trust. Right. It's their friends. And in a lot of instances, they think that they're doing their friends a favor. Do you do you see, so in, in the foster yep. care system specifically, so there are a lot of um, kids coming up, and I think you and I uh, spoke about this off air, what was it, last week about kids coming up missing yes, out of yes. the foster care system. Yes, so I actually pulled up a statistic on my um, phone because okay. I had read one quite a while back, but it says... Since 2000, it looks like there were um, more than 53,000 foster kids listed as runaway and at least another 61,000 children listed as missing. So every single year, there are vast amounts of children that just disappear from the system and are not accounted for. And, you know, the amount that are considered runaways are more than likely victims of trafficking as well. And here's what I know firsthand. Um, And the reason why I know this firsthand is because it happened... I don't know, probably six months ago. I'm not going to go into too many details because I don't want to give away uh, the person that it happened to or anything like that. But there was a young person who had ran away from home, supposedly, and went to a different state. Um, And the reason why I'm saying different state, because I really don't want to give away this person's identity. Okay, So they went to a different state, supposedly went to a different state. And then the police department here didn't look for them. They didn't do anything about it because they were a runaway. Sure. So, so they so when when uh, so if a child runs away the first time, typically the police department is looking for them. Correct. Okay, but if they run away a second time or a third time, they're just labeled as runaways and nobody ever looks for them. Mm-hmm. Which is so really those sad. kids not only become more vulnerable um, because of the times that they ran away. So they may have ran away for legitimate reason the first Absolutely. time. Absolutely. And then the second or third time, they just got snatched up. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, these traffickers, they they know what to look for in these kids. They know 
when they seem distraught. They know when, you know, if they ask, uh, if they say go up to a 14 year old girl and say, hey, you're so beautiful. And she's like, oh, thanks, I know, or whatever, then they're gonna leave her alone because they know that she will likely um, be a stronger personality. Whereas if she goes, they go up to somebody and say, you're beautiful. And they're like, oh no, nobody's ever told me that before or whatever the case may be. Um, these these traffickers have been able to find or just realize the vulnerabilities of these kids, um, it, which makes it so much easier for them. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. So you've done a little research, Amy, on this, on as far as what uh, kids, parents, things like that should should look out for. Yeah, I've actually done quite a bit of research. Um, When we started talking about this, I didn't realize how prevalent it is. Um, I mean, even in your neighborhood, it could be going on, but a lot of the kids are, um, they end up like the quiet kids, or if they have been in a foster home, things like that, runaways, like you were saying. But when you are trying to identify whether or not these kids are in a human trafficking situation in the life as they call it or being groomed for the life or recruiting for the life they usually they are going to be nervous around people that ask questions and look towards their handler handler yeah we don't call them pimps anymore but yeah they would be you know nervous and if there's any sign of aggression from the adults to the child and i know that not all of this I mean, the average age of these kids is 12 to 13 years old. Um, so I think a lot of people assume that it's just like a 17, 16, 17 year old runaway kid that is looking for trouble or is looking for trouble. And, and you know, but in most cases, they get enticed to do this. Yeah. And then once they get enticed, they feel like they have no way out because they're told that they're going to get hurt or they um, get them hooked on drugs and then they have to, you know, can't have any uh, drugs unless they do a certain act or or whatever the case may be. Um, But in a lot of cases, when they're finding these kids that are being trafficked, it's because they have been, there's some sort of weird situation that doesn't seem quite right and somebody will report it or you know, and a lot of it's been, um, there have been a lot of big, big like stings, uh, police investigations that lead to arrests. Um, the biggest one being a couple of years ago, there were about 450 arrests. Uh, I believe that was in, I want to say Florida, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, it definitely is um, something that everybody should watch for to see if they can help out the situation. And, no doubt. And, um, let, let, yeah. me, let me ask you a question. So I was t- I was talking to a uh, friend of mine about this, and and I'm, he was saying that he believes uh, people are desensitized to this specific subject because we're lumping the not only the sex trafficking, but this the sex workers, the people who are going to it go into it willingly. We're lumping all right. of them together. Do you think that we, we don't talk about it as much or we don't have um, a lot of focus I on think, it because of, right. because of that? Or what, what do you think, Paula? I think that, so first of all, um, I'm definitely not for criminalizing sex workers because I think that there are a lot of victims in the trade. However, mm-hmm. I do feel like when we make it you know, an okay thing. My problem with it is I feel like you should always have informed consent for anything that you do or you Mm -hmm. give your permission for. And I think a lot of sex workers start out as human trafficking victims. Mm -hmm. And so I don't really think there's a lot of informed consent. Absolutely. And it's, um, you know, kind of their vulnerabilities in life, you know, lack of a job or, you know, and that shame that you carry around with you. Because I think that one reason the foster care system or, you know, just difficult households are a big topic in the human trafficking situation is the shame, that shame piece. Trauma breeds more trauma. And so when you're a victim of abuse or sexual abuse in the home or outside of the home, 
and, um, you know, you're going through all of these things while well, you start feeling like you don't have that inherent dignity that we're all born to believe that we have. And hopefully that's fostered. And so, you know, it, yeah. then you are more conditioned if somebody comes and tells you, you know, oh, you're so beautiful or, you know, you can make a lot of money um, and then yeah, reel you the in. Yeah, the money. And- yep. And like you said, um, Amy, they will typically, you know, a lot of them hook them on here, something like heroin right away where you get sick when you're coming off of it. Mm-hmm. So if you right. want to refuse to work, well, you don't get, you don't get your fix. Mm-hmm. And, you mm-hmm. know, also all of those other things. So if they have you hooked on drugs and you're in a sex trade that, you know, just deep down, you feel shame about it. Um, then you're going to be less likely to reach out for help because you believe that you're the problem. You're a bad person. You do. You deserve what you, you did yourself, something to you got yep. yourself into. Right. This is this is this is your lot in life. Especially uh, runaways yeah. too, because right. oh, I ran away. Like I was yeah. looking for this. Right. I put myself in this situation. Absolutely. Sergeant Wilson on our last podcast talked about that. You know, the head of, of traffic sex trafficking. Sure. Yeah. Oh, here, absolutely. Here, here in in, in northeast Wisconsin, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About the drug, uh, the drug connection with the withdrawals and everything. I mean, it's, it's a little bit more complicated, yeah. is what you're saying. Yep, well, it, but yeah, it's an easy money, way to I mean, chain they hold someone. On to the money. Yep. Yeah. So well, and to, even uh, ID. I would say even ID. Um, actually, back in one of my classes, one of my instructors was talking about if you um see like the billboards for local strip clubs um or dancing clubs i don't know what they call them now but um, <laughs> i don't think we have to be politically so, correct about that when it talks about you know like oh this dancer coming from this area that actually a lot it, it's into even the exotic dancing field now it's a lot of human trafficking taking victims from state to state to state or country to country at 100% yeah. Yeah. right it's not right. just state to well, state it's country it, to country yep. and i think the the stigma of prostitution and, you know, the oldest uh, career in the, there's such a stigma in that, that when these kids get involved and then grow up as adults, they don't want to admit that they had that, that they situation were, happening. That they yeah. were nurtured so they're into not, the business. Right. 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 And, 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 um, but they're calling them, now they are, there was a case in Arizona where they are, they're um, looking at it differently. So they're looking at the, when they, they pick up somebody on the street, they're looking at them as a victim and not as a yes. uh, street, what, a, what, what is, well, I can't Sar- Sergeant said survivor. Yep. He said he's, yeah, call, survivor. he's calling them survivors yep. now. Yeah. Yep. They're calling them yeah, survivors now rather than victims because victims has such a negative connotation to yep. it. So. Yep. Right, right. That and instead of just putting factor. them in jail and booking them and keeping them overnight, they're actually getting a lot more reaction if they... Um, look at them as survivors and treat them as survivors so that they can get to the people that are actually doing this to them. The people that are actually trafficking them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And definitely in bigger cities and hopefully here, um, I know that they are trained to now ask a lot more questions when they get that girl separated from. It's happening everywhere. And that's the thing that we want our listeners to understand is that this is not a big city situation. And this, this is, is a, a hub, I, right? You know, this area really yeah, is a yeah. hub. This, yeah. I heard a statistic today that three hundred thousand people are trafficked on a daily basis. Yeah. And the thing about that is, it's like it's like for these traffickers, it's like selling drugs. But once you sell a drug, you they consume the drug, and then you have to sell them something else. That's you something. get you get it you get a kid you know 14 year old girl that you can traffic and sell for as, as a sex slave you can make a you couple hundred a thousand of, dollars yeah. from her you could a have quite a few income. years yeah i say that's funny i don't mean that's funny but amy that's so funny because i was actually thinking about that exact same thing um before coming tonight was that yeah you have you know drugs are consumable a consumable product you right. can only sell them once mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. know a young girl a young boy even with the drugs and, you know, if she gets too, you know, burnt out, mm-hmm. you know, y- you have a never ending supply right. of vulnerable children out right. there or even adults. Have you ever heard of Georgia Tan? I don't Paula? know. I don't know. Okay. Tell me about it. Okay. Well, Georgia Tan, she was, uh, I mean, this was b- way back in the, the 50s, 60s, somewhere around in there. She was actually stealing babies from the, from the hospital. 
she was for she, 30 from 1928 to 1950 she was doing oh that. my right. gosh wow yeah. and, and 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 she was even invited to the white house uh touted as the one of the best uh adoption agents agency people uh person in the world okay i think you know, I things like, and, and, no that was the 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 that, that was the judge that kept granting these, they would take these kids away from their parents and then say, you know, they're, they're not in a good household or whatever. And this judge would grant um, guardianship oh, to this woman who would yeah, then turn around together, and, and tell them. Right. So this is, I mean, we're talking about the 1920s here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is nothing, this is not something that's new. new right. This is, ha- this is happening. It's been happening. The thing that 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 concerns me, I guess, is why don't we talk about it more? I agree, but um, you know, a valuable point you made is someone being touted in the White House, you know, and and oh, it's like Epstein. Now we're back to and, the Epstein. And, there and, you and go. That's the yeah, reason why we started this, and, this conversation in the um, first place. You know, why are all of these very prominent people, Hollywood? You, right. I know you guys talked yep. about, you know, Corey Feldman. Yep last time um why is this such common knowledge but yet nothing's being done over a decade prior to epstein being put on trial Mm -hmm. they had actually caught him and he somehow made a miraculous deal in florida that is unheard of i have to do more research on it because i'd like to know where the people are tell us what you know so i'd like to know where the people are that made this deal with him but basically from they made a deal in Florida from 2001 to 2007. Um, you know, his underage crimes, this is probably hundreds of crimes he could have been convicted for. Um, he ended up, I don't know if he served a year in jail or if that was going to be what he would serve. But then he had total immunity from anything, from ever being tried for any of it again. All of his accomplices had complete immunity. So anything that happened in Florida with any of them from 2001 to 2007 was not prosecutable after that. If that's even a word. Yeah. How does that even, and it took over a decade for it to come out again. Yeah. Right. Right. Who has to be involved in those types of deals? But something very prominent people. Right. And um, so that's where, you know, this is like you brought up Amy. I mean, it's a product that can be consumed over and over and over and um, obviously, there's a voracious appetite for it everywhere you go, and especially in prominent, you know, households. Right. Yeah, and it's it's sick, but it's out there. And yeah. um, people, you know, the people that are selling these kids, trafficking them, or even, I mean, you wouldn't have this problem if you didn't have a buyer either. Absolutely. So they have like no regards for their mm-hmm. life. Yeah, they have no regard for their life. They just, they are um, an object. They are something that can be traded, Mm -hmm. um, a commodity. And and, until, and they don't even think about the fact that this will affect these people, these kids, for the rest of their lives. Well, I don't think they care. And and that's the thing. I I was just getting ready to say that. Now we're in a different realm of things. You know, so now we're not talking about people who are just snatching kids up or people up in general and trafficking them throughout the the world. Now we're talking about the Johns, quote unquote, the people mm-hmm. who are actually buying this product. Um, it, it sounds disgusting. This well, and I did some research on um, uh, Georgia uh, Tan and mm-hmm. how she kind of I mean, there were about 5000 babies that mm-hmm. she would she would. She would go to hospitals and she would tell, she had to have people inclusion with her because they would tell the the mom that, oh, sorry, your baby was stillborn. The the doctors were involved in this, mm -hmm. you know, and they would say that, oh, the baby is stillborn and then I'm going to pay for the funeral and this, that, and the other and all this other crap. And she's actually stealing the baby. And then not only that, Amy. Well, she ran an orphanage. She ran one of the biggest orphanages in Memphis, Tennessee. You know how many people, how many kids were were uh, starved and died under her, in in her care? Only the pretty ones got adopted, and they got adopted by some prominent people, some yes. movie stars and crap Absolutely. like that. Okay, mm-hmm. so some yep. of these kids to that 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 were adopted were stolen by Georgia. Okay, mm-hmm. well, and, and that's and, even. And the, but the rest of the kids that weren't pretty enough or uh, weren't marketable enough. 
they they were starved or killed or whatever. There's a there's a there's yeah. a, if you don't so any of our listeners if you never heard of Georgia Tan, uh, look it up. As a matter of fact, I got this information from my daughter. She's sixteen. Georgia Tan T A N N. Yeah, she was yeah she was talking about this to me. She gave me this information, and I'm like, hey, that's perfect for the podcast next Absolutely. week. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks so for sharing. look yeah. yeah look that up and uh, you know dive dive a little bit deeper into that because there's a lot like we can have a whole show just on her and and what she's done. Well, yeah. and I think it just goes to show, you know, it lends to the point that um, there's a price for, you know, there's a price for anything, anything that you want. Um, it is viable, depending on the, how much money you have and power. Yeah, you if somebody's willing to buy it, I'm sure you'll find somebody willing to sell it. Absolutely. And vice versa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and the big, you know, you go back to Georgia Tan and where, I mean, that was in the 30s, 40s, and she she died three days after they closed down that um, uh, that orphanage of uterine cancer, of all mm, things. Interesting. Um, if she actually yeah, died of that. That was one way to do it. Now you, we're in the we're in 2021, and what do we have all around us? We have, uh, or I should say, easily accessible, um, Snapchat. Oh my gosh! Instagram. Yeah. Social media um, is huge. That's where when I'm, yep, when I'm hearing these stories or reading these stories, a lot of these guys are getting uh, caught because they are um, actually end up talking to undercover yes. agents that yep. are enticing them to do that, and then pretend to be a 15 year old girl, and then they go meet them at the bus stop and whatever, and then they get arrested. And I heard one woman say. She, She's like, I've been doing this for a lot of years and I've uh, processed a lot of criminals and sex offenders are the biggest that they almost all of them cry because they know that they just totally screwed up their life. Destroyed their life. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've I mean, destroyed how many other lives along the way. But yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's there's, a, that's you know, a, there's going to be shame when your friends occurred. and family know. Yep. Yep. Right. Oh, yeah. You're an You're, outcast. I mean, yeah. Right. If You're you aren't um, prominent yeah. in the community. If you right. have a lot of money well, and you're prominent, you're not an outcast. No, you just pay somebody to cover it up or something. And I, even if don't you don't, I mean, it's just kind of like, don't ask, don't tell, don't see, don't and hear. And that's absolutely ridiculous. And I feel like that yeah. lends to just what you guys were talking about, how why aren't we hearing about it? So I know that um, your guest, the other podcast, had said, you know, there are specific rules for federal trials oh, and you, things like that. You're talking about Matt. The, yep. The, 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 yeah, oh, Sergeant the, Wilson. Sergeant Wilson. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which, um, and absolutely, but at the same time, we don't need to know everything that's going on in the trial. There are plenty of other things that the media could be talking about, Mm -hmm. and they're not. And why not? Well, Jeffrey Epstein was friends with lots of prominent people in um, Hollywood and show business. New, you know, the top people in these news places, look at all of the things that have come out with Matt Lauer and, you know, all all of the prominent people. And so, I mean... When I was driving my kid to school the other day, just the thing that kept coming back in my mind about all of this is, you know, the only way for evil to triumph is for good people to stand by and say nothing. And I feel That's like... one of my favorite Einstein quotes. Yes. I, did, I had to do an artwork project on it when I was a kid, and Batman was just playing video games while people were <laughs> looting the bank or whatever. But it's true. I mean, really, if there aren't people that are willing to stand up and talk about these issues then there are many prominent people in this world that are more than willing to bury them. Mm-hmm. For sure. And the kids aren't going to bail out. They can't stand up for themselves. I mean, even you look at teenagers, older teenagers, 17, 18, 19, they can get enticed into this just as easily. Absolutely. And it might not be, uh, you know. Forget about it. I, t- I, tell, I tell my daughter all the time, Amy, you know, uh, first off, uh, from an early age, the time she was uh, nine or ten years old, we would walk into a store, and I would make her tell me the person that walked past us what they were wearing, whether they had glasses or not, what color their eyes were, how tall they were, or what she thought how tall they were. Of course, you know things like that. Okay. So I would have her tell me everything about that person that walked past us. Sure. It was a game that we played. It wasn't sure. like I was drilling her like something right. or whatever. It was just, you know, right. I made up a little game Get with her. Get her to pay attention. Right, so that yeah. she could pay attention. And, and there's so many times that she was in uh, the mall uh, in Northeast Wisconsin. We won't name the mall. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always get 
trouble with it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, she was she was in the mall, and uh, uh, th- there were people that she thought were suspicious, and her friends had no idea that they had it, that there could have been any kind of in, uh, uh, situation with that. You know? mm-hmm. And and maybe she's just you know maybe she was hypersensitive to it. Maybe I over you know overthought the situation. But I would rather her be more fine. on guard, absolutely, than to be. Mm-hmm naive to the, to the situation you know yeah. what i mean because if there's no issue then great that'll be sorted out exactly but if there is think about all of these like you were talking about when you said you were you know a trucker and if you had known what you know now maybe you would have looked through a different lens when Forget you were you know yep. and i think that's all of us like i mean i will even say there was an instance several years back when i was in the mall with my kids and there was a young couple they were both teenagers and the uh, male was aggressive with the female. Like at first I thought they were joking around. And then I realized after a minute, like, oh, he's like, really, she's upset and he won't leave her alone. And I still to this day, like have so much guilt about like, I should have said something. I should have found a security person. Cause if it was nothing great, then it's nothing. But when people see those things and they don't do something and those victims see that people saw that just solidifies in their mind that, yeah, this is like, this is normal. This yeah. is supposed to happen to or, me. Or not necessarily normal. Or I'm not just worth. Nobody cares. Yeah, I'm not, not nobody worth. Nobody cares. I'm not worthy. Nobody's going to help me if I ask nope. for help. So I was uh, t- uh, 14 years old walking down the streets of Brooklyn. I seen a gentleman. No, let me rephrase that. I seen a person, a guy beating up a woman. I stepped in at 14. They, they had to be in their early 20s or whatever. I don't know. And I said, hey, and, and I didn't, when I say stepped in, I didn't, it's not like I really did anything. I just walked up to the guy. attention to I it. I walked up to the guy and I said, hey, stop hitting her. And the woman herself told me, it's okay, go away. They're embarrassed. No, she oh. knew that this guy would do more damage to me Oh. And he was doing to her. And she knew that I could not, you know, being my size and age and stuff <laughs> like that. You were young. That I was not going to be able to protect right, her. Right, right. You know what I mean? That mother instinct. So, so there was some, there's some, I think there's some of that in there as well. Like oh, they absolutely. know. I know how to handle them. Right. I know how to deal with it. Okay. Just leave it alone. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Exactly. So I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I would just say I still, th- I still see that teenage girl man like it's burned in my brain and and um but i just think a lot of us are so trained whether it be society your family you know how you were brought up that like you mind your own business right you know people have problems you don't call attention to people right and um, so it's like, I think that just kicked in. Like, I didn't want to cause a fuss. I didn't want to embarrass her. I could already tell she was embarrassed. I didn't want to embarrass her more. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, are you crazy, though? Mm-hmm. You know, like, the shame piece and the embarrassment piece is that I'm thinking I'm the problem. Right. If somebody right. calls attention to it, maybe that will be embarrassing. But maybe that's the one thing but that you need. that's the thing that, that's necessary yes. in order to help that person out. Yeah, because I, I hope along the road. Because right. I think, too, in my mind, I wasn't thinking teenagers can experience prolonged domestic violence in relationships. Because I wasn't really in a lot of relationships as a teenager. Right. And now I realize there are so many girls oh, well, yeah. or boys oh, yeah. that yeah. end up being in very controlling, abusive relationships from a very young age that easily prime them to human trafficking or just yeah. ab- lifelong abuse. And, and, and we got to be honest here. It's more so, and, and, and or correct me if I'm wrong, it's more so girls. It, I would you know. say definitely just because there is an inherent power in being a male, you know, often you're taller, you're bigger, right. you're more intimidating. You can do more damage, even if a, a woman or a girl is abusive in return, you're typically not going to be afraid of for your life. Sure. But I don't want to discount the fact that no, there are many men and teenage boys that deal right. with controlling or abusive relationships right. as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I taught, uh, uh, so my, I, and I keep going back. To, to, to my daughter, you know, my youngest daughter, you know, my eldest daughter, she's, uh, she was, she was, I taught her a lot of stuff too, but I wasn't as uh, diligent about teaching her as I was my, my younger daughter, you know, but 
as, as you get older, you learn more. Sure. You know, you you think about things more. You study more things, and you're like, okay, I need to I need to do better. You yeah. know? So I think I did a lot better job with my youngest daughter about being aware mm-hmm. and being c- cognizant of her surroundings. Absolutely. You know, um, because it could happen anywhere. I mean, you could get. You know, uh, I think the statistic was uh, young girls between the age of nine and uh, 15 are the ones that are snatched up the most. Absolutely. Like snatched, like taken, like yep. thrown in the Just back grabbed. of the white van, yep. mm-hmm. you know. And then after that, it's a little bit more difficult. It's more coercion and, yes. you know, things of that nature. However, I mean, it's, it's happening, you know. You know, if I can just um, kind of piggyback off of that, you know, I really think that we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that um, this is a statistic I heard many years ago, my kids were little, little still. So I would imagine it's probably worse by now, but it's about one in four girls and one in five boys. And this is only what is reported have encountered some type of sexual abuse, inappropriate touching by the time they're 18, by the time they're 18, And that's what's reported. So I would like to say that I think it's probably about one in two up for girls, probably one about one in three for boys. Um, Yeah, I just I think I did read that that statistics is about one in three um, now. And uh, with the age of the internet, it's just been so much easier for these people. There's just more access. Yeah. But what I but what I want to call attention to is the fact that most of these things that happen where are they originating? We teach our kids about stranger danger, which is important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the most dangerous people, unfortunately, tend to be those that are closest to your children. That are closest to us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So here's here's the thing. Um, I don't know. So I, I grew up in, in, in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, in the in the north uh, northern uh, California. So the Oakland, the Bay Area, San Francisco area, California. Uh, a little town called Richmond. I don't, you know, some people have heard of it, some people haven't. But anyway, um, I I don't have a friend from my childhood that has not been molested. Yep. Yeah. From from from, okay, early childhood to teenage, I have I don't have one friend that has not talked to me about being molested. myself included and i would also venture to say that is because you are a very approachable person about a subject like that so if you know most people out there especially if they're male because it's just you know there's more of a stigma if you're male right to talk about it um i would imagine many more guys wouldn't have that same experience because you know Mm -hmm. they aren't as open about talking about these subjects like you are and and we're talking to guys and girls Mm -hmm. so friends when i say friends i'm talking guys and girls who have been who have been molested now a a lot of the guys were molested by older girls Mm -hmm. and 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 the unfortunate part is that that was a badge of honor yeah well and i think that's a part of the problem with um with male abuse is that for a lot of young guys, they're conditioned to believe, yeah, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Look at my teachers. My teacher slept with me. She's a babe. Right. right. But somewhere deep down, there's still some shame piece there that you kind of have to just like brag about it. Right. To cover up. Right. Because right. somewhere inside of you, we all know that. We, we know it's wrong. There's just something not we right about it. Yeah. And then we, who do you blame? Right. Your kid, your, 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 egocentric so right. you there must be something wrong with me right i must have wanted it i was asking for it so so here's the sad part uh as a as a, as a young child uh these things happen and i i mentioned it uh but i only mentioned it because they didn't continue to happen for the people that it never ends isn't that ridiculous yeah you know and people so. too, I, th- I think that there's a lot of victim blaming or survivor blaming for people that grow into an adult and they continue, you know, continue with these incestuous, um, quote unquote affairs, you know, abuse. And so then there are people like, well, you were an adult and you came back and you didn't live there or whatever. But I mean, people don't understand the amount of control mm-hmm. that that type of conditioning mm-hmm. and shame has right. over you. Yeah. And that's just, 
you know, leads right into the human trafficking piece as well. No doubt. Yeah, they, I think the other thing is too, when people, you know, when people think of the term human trafficking, they're thinking that people are like going across state lines sure. and, um, you know, or out of the country. Absolutely. We need our listeners to understand and to, you know, I mean, if you see something that's, that's, so. What is the slogan? See something, say something. Right. That's gotten bigger, right? And and, and it has. Uh, but what are some what are some of the signs, Amy or Paula? What are some of the signs that our listeners need to look for? Um, well, the, some of the things that I have uh, throughout the research, and it makes sense. So, if you have uh, somebody, a teenager or um, a kid that goes to a lot of places, but you never see them with their friends. Uh, that could be one thing. They spend a lot of time on the internet. They talk about friends that don't make sense. The conversation doesn't quite make sense because it's not going to be a typical situation where this is a kid sitting next to you at a desk in a school. Um, and in some cases it may, but in most cases it's adults that are doing this to, to younger kids. And, or if um, they have, um, like expensive stuff that they they can't explain where they got the money from, things like that. A lot of these traffickers will entice kids to um, to do this through the promise of money and wealth and and all that good stuff that goes with it. Um, and I know, for instance, Georgia Tan. She used to go to parks in Tennessee in limo and get people or get kids, young kids. Uh, what the story there's one story about a, a, a girl at the age of five that she took right from the playground and um nobody ever saw her again like if you have a try to have a conversation with them about this um they'll be nervous more than likely than to be standoffish i would think in some cases but um that's basically what i what i found in my research i would just add to that um a little plug here for your local CASA. It's C-A-S-A. So if anybody wants to get involved, um, about, like we said, 60% of human trafficking, um, these people have had some sort of involvement with the foster care system. Sure. So um, CASA mm-hmm. is an amazing program where it's built mostly of volunteers called Advocates, and um, you go through training and you spend an hour a week with kids um, on CHIPS orders. So if there's been abuse or neglect found in the home, they could still be in their home, you know, their family of origin, or they could be in foster care. Mm -hmm. And um, so you're that person, obviously a social worker isn't with that kid all the time. You know, you're that one person that's a steady person in that kid's life. And um, there is such a great need for men advocates um so if there's any men listening out there tonight that feel so feel the need um but you know women too obviously just advocates in general and especially for the older children because we all know it's so great to go spend time with a little toddler or baby or five-year-old do arts and crafts but the teenagers can be a little harder to connect with um especially because you know it's kind of like they're those kids that are acting out and things like that but i will say that um, a good amount of the teenagers in foster care, even if they're accounted for, are in some form of dabbling with human trafficking, you know. And they, what people need to understand, I think what a lot of people are saying is that a lot of times these people don't even realize that they're victims of human trafficking. So on the one mm-hmm. hand, like you said, Amy, people might be very nervous. But on the other hand, if you're closer to someone and, you know, if they're just talking to their friends and stuff, I mean, they might be bragging about some of their sexual adventures and things like that because True. that's just kind of the lifestyle that they're in and that's very normalized. So that's just one mm-hmm. thing that I would put out there is that definitely some kids are much more nervous about it or nervous about physical touch, but some kids are inappropriate the other way where they seem more... And, see, right, right. and, see, more, here, and, and here's the thing. like So uh, when I uh, years ago when I was married... Um, my wife wanted to uh, do foster care or adoption and things of sure. that nature, and I wouldn't do it. And the reason I wouldn't do it is because I grew up in a situation in the inner city um, where I uh, suffered under, you know, 
in, in type of in, in situations that I shouldn't have suffered in. And I've seen a lot of things. And I didn't want those children bringing those situations to my household and, and, and putting my children in that situation, you know. So I know that's selfish and it's bad of me it's, to say, but it's it's so hard. Like you, you kind of like. I'm never going to say that that's selfish because you still have to take care of your own as well. Right. I mean, to bring kids that are troubled that you're not ready mm-hmm. to support and when you have vulnerable children in your household as well with right. children that have been through a lot of trauma right. and things have been normalized that aren't appropriate, right. it's not wrong. I've always thought if I ever did foster care, it would only be children younger than my children. And, and, that's, and that's exactly so what I told So I think that's my, kind of, I've heard that from yeah, a lot of people, yeah. that if you are thinking of doing foster care, right. it's a beautiful thing, but it's something that I think it's like a lot of jobs that you go right. and do is that I don't think there's always a lot of informed consent. You know, right, they need right, people right. so badly. Some things get sugarcoated and, and the, root of the issue is that you're going to get some kids that have been through so many traumatic yeah. things forget about it and um so you just have to be very prepared for that yeah. there's another website out there that i came across in my research called the um polaris org, and they have um a pretty good uh you know some myths about human trafficking and uh kind of identifying the vulnerabilities more information about um what it's all about in general like what it looks like in real time in real communities it's not just in that big city far away right right okay so and there i mean youtube has a a ton a ton of survivor stories if you don't think this is real go out to youtube and say uh and and put in uh human sex trafficking trafficking stories and see how many hits you get it's unbelievable uh, and these guys are finally, I mean, not all guys, but people are finally going to jail because it is getting more attention in the media, but not enough. We still have 300,000 people. Absolutely. It's just in the United States on a daily basis. That's it's some sort of victim of human trafficking. Absolutely. And I would just segue into Amy. You can tell me if you agree with this or not, but um, just, you know, my involvement in the criminal justice system um, when you look at the charges for domestic violence or child abuse um, and the plea deals that people get for those offenses, I think says a lot mm-hmm. about how much our society really still, how far we have to go. Because when right. someone can strangle a woman or can beat a child and get a very small plea deal, most of the time probation, um, you know, mm-hmm some minimal jail time. That's kind of a message that we're sending to all all men and women that, I mean, this, this is the amount of dignity this person has the amount of dignity it takes to not have to go to a jury trial, which is so sad. And you know, this is not to shed any kind of negative light on our justice system or our judges and hardworking attorney attorneys and things like that. But unfortunately Mm -hmm. the reality is that, there's never enough. Um, there's always too much of a caseload for everyone. Right. So and they try to get, right. get rid of yeah. it as fast so as possible. Yeah, so we're just trying to get through cases, and you're going to see these same people over and over. And but, but do you, though? I mean, are there some cases where you don't see the person over and over again? Um, so here's the thing. Absolutely. I, come, I mean, I come, in a generality. I come, I come from, from and I, I explained this before, I come from Brooklyn. Sure. Back in 2000, I, I spanked my son here in, in northeast Wisconsin, and I got into a little trouble behind it. Okay. Right? I've never, I had never been in trouble before in my life, and mm-hmm. never been in trouble thereafter. However, sure. that situation is a, is, a, is, a, is a mark on my, on, you know, my life. Sure. And, uh, but it's not like I've ever done, you know, ever uh, spanked any of my other three children thereafter. Mm-hmm. That was my oldest son. Um, oldest son, love him to death. Um, had some issues thereafter with the law and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, not that I should have. You know, so I learned as I went through college, as I understood um, uh, corporal punishment. Sure. You know, so when you grow up with that mentality, it's normalized for that you. This is teaching what what 
how things should be. Yes. And you think to yourself, oh, I'm going to do better than that. You know, so you don't do as much corporal punishment, but you but still do it. Because you didn't learn other skills. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, so are there situations, and I'm, I'm asking this not because of sure. myself, because I'm fine, whatever. Right. I'm just asking, are, do you, in your profession, do you see people who don't come through the system again? And if, 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 if so, I mean, if we're going to put a blanket thing out there, I mean, to, to, to punish people to the fullest extent of the sure. law, I mean, quite honestly, I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now sure. if that be the case. Well, and I think, Mike, we've had a lot of conversations. I think that, you know, that my, I, I always want treatment, you know. I always well, yeah. want to address yeah. the root of the problem. Okay. And so I typically believe that anyone that comes through my door has probably experienced a lot of things. Sure. And so they have learned a lifetime of um, maybe negative thoughts and beliefs about certain things, mm-hmm. and it takes a long time to address those and really be able to have a person integrate a okay. different way of thinking. So so let me make sure I'm hearing you correctly. What you're saying is, and I think we're getting a little bit off topic here, so we'll I go know, back to I the know. sex trafficking. No, 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 that's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. I think it all kind of Yeah, we always, I, Amy and I do this all the time, so it's not <laughs> a big deal. <laughs> we always get off topic. But anyway, so uh, what I think I'm hearing you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that not necessarily the, 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 the people who come in the door the first time need to be punished to the fullest extent of the law. However, they do need to have some type of, of um, uh, treatment program yes. along with whatever punishment they may, they may incur at that time. Yes, well. I would love to see more intervention. Okay. More intervention. Yeah. No, and, and, Absolutely. And, and that's perfect. That's mm-hmm. perfect because quite honestly – um, corporal punishment is not the way to go. Right. It just isn't. I mean, these right. are these are little human beings that mm-hmm. we're talking about, little people, little adults that we're talking about here. Yeah. And they deserve to be respected, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. They deserve to be respected. And, and spanking a child is not respecting that child's it, personal yeah, space. safety. I yeah, mean, safety, do, do yeah. we get hit at work if we make a mistake? I, I do. Amy well, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> but no, I mean, in general, no. it's kind of funny, you know. No. We need to get you a new offer. <laughs> <laughs> I really started looking at this more closely with kids, you know, a few years back and right. in my own parenting, just about the respect that we should have for children. Mm-hmm. If we have certain levels of respect that we should have for anybody, any adults. Sure. Close to us or not. Why shouldn't we have that same respect same for a respect child? For child and I think unknowingly, even if to our untrained eyes, mm-hmm. we see a great, a so-called great home and family, mm-hmm. no financial problems, no, you know, no criminal sure. activity. No doubt. Um, a lot of those kids could still be vulnerable to human trafficking because maybe even if they're not physically abused, maybe they're constantly, there's constant verbal and emotional, you're not good enough look at you you're such a screw up right and there's so much pressure on little kids um that oftentimes it's out of fear because we don't want them to go through things we've gone through or make our same mistakes oh my god but unfortunately we can send them unknowingly into abusive situations in their adulthood or you know that was my that was my biggest problem with my oldest son is that I didn't want him to experience the things that I had experienced Bingo. as a child. And you parent out of fear. And exactly. And that's exactly what I was doing, you know. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and that situation, although a bad situation, was a blessing for me because I was able to then uh, start studying psychology and start to yes. understand specifically what I had come through myself yes. and what I was inflicting on my child. And, mm-hmm. and thus able to make changes for my other three children who came after him uh, to, to, to be able to be more productive uh, uh, members of society and, and be able to um, feel safe and comfortable. And, 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 also, and a lot of people say, especially with my youngest daughter, you know, a lot of people say how confident she is and how brave she is and what a, mm. what a you know, articulate young lady she is. And Probably great and, with boundaries. And, and extremely great with boundaries, yep. you know. 
Uh, but that came from a lot of years of studying psychology and understanding yeah. what I had done and that safety and how at to, home. How to make that ch- exactly? Yeah, how to make those changes? You know, because so. we all inherently from the time that we're a baby, and mm-hmm. you know, we grow into our toddler years, and we learn the word no. Right. We are supposed to say no to everything because we're supposed to develop our autonomy, and when we're not allowing that in our children, right we're sending them into situations where they get taken advantage of, they get used because we're not teaching them that it's okay to say no to people and set boundaries. Right. And when you, when you're, when you're uh, spanking your children at home, you're teaching them that it's okay to be hit by people. When people love you, you, they hit you. you. Right. Mm -hmm. That's love. When people that care about you, this is what they do. They this do is that how because they, they care about exactly. you. So when these when these traffickers are slapping these girls up or boys up, mm-hmm. when they're beating them and treating them poorly, it's you know it's and, and they're allowing it to happen. Yeah, because they don't have healthy boundaries. One hundred percent. And they and they and they feel that this is love. Yep. This yep. is this is what this I've is been normal for me. Love is and this is love. Absolutely. No Absolutely. Just to bring it full circle. One hundred percent. I agree with you, and I think. Maybe, you know, I just heard you guys talk so much last time about um, why isn't it being talked about? Right. And, you know, for me, we've had many conversations about this. Like, I just shame, the shame piece is always where I come back to pretty much for everything. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a small piece of the puzzle. If you take out the prominence and the money and Mm -hmm. things like that, that can block those things. Maybe it's the fact that we all have some shame inside about the screw ups that we've done. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel every day as a parent. So, you know what I mean? And And you're just trying to keep moving forward and working at it. And so I feel like maybe that's for all of us is that time we didn't, we looked away when we shouldn't have, or, well, I'm kind of doing this at home, not, you know, maybe in terms of sexual abuse, but where it's just like, we realize like, oh, I don't want to, you know, throw a stone because I've been there, done that. Society has just gotten us so driven to, pay attention to so many things that when you have a kid that doesn't feel like he's getting or she's getting the attention that, you know, or that they're craving, that that's how they end up meeting people on the Absolutely. internet and developing these friendships. And, um, you know, they call it grooming. They don't, it's not like, yes. not like somebody reaches out to your kid and is just like, Oh yeah, come over and you know, I'm going to, and lays and it all out. It's, yes. it's a nurturing and a grooming process. They're so basically Yeah. They're like being a parent mm-hmm. figure to your child. Right. Oh yeah. And when you, when, when you hear that you could make like a couple hundred thousand dollars from each survivor, victim, child, whatever you want to call them, that is money investor. That's that they feel like that's good time invested. Absolutely. And they probably think too, well, okay, obviously you don't know what you're getting into when you get pulled into it, but then you're in it and then it's like, okay, well I'll get out, you know, I'll save some money up Mm -hmm. and then, but like we talked about with uh, getting them addicted to drugs and things like that, you know, and just that shame piece, they will constantly, um, tell that person, belittle that person. They will make sure that that person knows that they are, you know, one inch tall. Nobody cares about them. No one will believe them. You you know, the, 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 or they put put fear into them. Yes, absolutely. The the funny part about this and and not funny part, there's, there's nothing funny about this at all. I hear you. However, I I know. So if, if, and this is going to be a little, uh, a little off topic, but I know women in general, intelligent, educated women who stay in abusive relationships for long mm-hmm. time, okay and and when i say intelligent i'm talking uber intelligent Very i'm talking intelligent. about people who masters phd right right yeah extremely educated you know who stay in abusive relationships for a long time because they've been they, they feel that they deserve to be there. yes or they don't deserve or they've been programmed into it you know it's right. something that happens over and over and over and you, as it gets worse over time, you just don't even realize that things were different. Absolutely. It's like gaining weight or it's like, um, you, what do they say? The slow boil, the frog analogy where, you know, you just turn up the heat little by little and yeah, they don't no even doubt. notice. They don't even know they're dying. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think that's exactly what this is. And- it's just like abusive relationships. Yeah. It is an abusive relationship oh. in a bigger in a bigger sense of the word. Yeah, exactly. They come in like a exactly. boyfriend or a parent or a savior right. and little by little 
It's saying, I, uh, you know, people that love you do this. Right. Okay, now you're going to do this. Now you're going to do this. Right. Isn't it a sad part of human behavior that we would rather go to something so negative that is known? Yes. Than the terror of something positive. That exactly. Is 100%. Exactly. And that seems to be the cycle. And, 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 and that's the thing, Nate. You hit the nail on the head. Like, you don't, you can't even recognize goodness when it's in front of you. Well, and I'll because say because you've been treated so poorly all your life. You, you yeah, don't trust it. I right. was gonna say I right. even you go so far it. as to say it's not even about you don't know. Right. It's um because like they talk about you know childhood trauma and mm-hmm. kids who come from dysfunctional families is when things are going good. Mm-hmm. That's when you are the most anxious. Right. Is the other shoe going to drop? Yes, right. you're yeah. waiting. And so you learn, you get to a certain age where you learn, if it's going good too long, I'm going to do something that's going to cause a I'm fight. Self-employed or, or, or a parent or to, to scream or, at me because yeah. at least I know what that's like and I don't have to sit here anxious waiting for it. Right. And I think that's exactly what it's like when you have human you know, trafficked survivors or victims is that if there is someone willing to help, Oh my gosh, the outcome could be 10 times worse than what they already know and are dealing with. Right. Well, if you have some advice to leave us with tonight, Paula. Oh gosh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Putting you on the spot. <laughs> okay. So, so we'll laugh for a little while uncomfortably. No, that's We'll let you have okay. some drink. And I then, think I've got and now something. We'll, we'll, we'll go. <laughs> no, seriously. If you had some, some, some advice to leave us with. So uh, here's the thing we lost Amy, so she's gone. Yeah, okay. She's okay. In the mountain. Yeah, she's in a, <laughs> she's on her way to Florida. She's people, having an amazing time. She's going to be in Florida for a couple of weeks. So I'd love to come back again someday when she's not cutting out. I, well, you should come <laughs> back someday when she's again. actually here in the studio. Yeah, I think that you, would be you'd awesome. You'd love Amy. You you guys would get along great. Uh, so anyway, um, what what piece of advice can you leave us with as as parents as listeners um, to 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 look out for or uh, just in, just in general, what, what, whatever advice you have for sure, us. Sure, sure. Well, it's probably going to sound really simple and maybe lame. Um, obviously, you know, I'm a believer. So um, it goes back to my, I, it, you know, something that rings a bell for me is my faith and just Mother Teresa where, and I think it went back to like St. Francis or something, but that um, point of if you want to make a change in the world, be the change that you want to see so, you know, like if mm-hmm. I want things to be different out there, what's going on in my household? Right. Um, would I talk down to a partner? Would I um, ground a partner or, you know, things right. like that? Or would I have a respectful conversation with someone that I have a disagreement with and see how we can work out a problem together? And I think when we give our children that autonomy to be able to make some decisions with guidance and support. Sure. And be able to grow their boundaries in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is a moot point at that point because those kids can't be victims because right. that person that approaches them already knows. Right. They, From the first five minutes they talk to them, this kid is too confident. Right. They're not They'll tell the world. Over. Yep. They're not mm-hmm. going to get over on this child. And I don't want to simplify it to that. No, I'm no, not I saying understand. there are not a million evils in the world. And Forget I'm not trying it. to blame families of victims. No. However, so many things are normalized mm-hmm. for us that mm-hmm. we don't even realize lead us into having very weak boundaries there's, that lead into trouble. There are some things that we can do to to circumvent a lot of things that are, that are happening to children today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in, in my opinion, one of the things that we could do is we, we respect children yes. as we want to as be respected. just a person don't don't you don't uh, uh shut their conversation now now yeah. see with, with my with my children i'm always i, I always tell them say what you want to say mm-hmm. say it respectfully yes same here so you're not gonna we can discuss scream any me. topic in this household nothing is hands off stuff. however we're not gonna have that kind of conversation however it's going to be respectful if you want if, if i did something wrong if you don't like the way I'm performing or the way I'm acting or the way I'm doing something, tell me. Absolutely. Because just because I'm an adult doesn't mean I'm always right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we need to understand that, as, in, in my opinion, I think we need to understand that as parents and we need to make sure that our children feel uh, comfortable enough with us to be able to express their feelings mm-hmm. and opinions and things of that nature in order to build their confidence, understand what their boundaries are, and be able to grow into um, uh, adults who... Um, can 
they internalize good boundaries right. versus right. maybe following your rules out of fear exactly. or, you know, not wanting to disappoint you. Like most Christians. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, unfortunately. Oh, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to be a good person. Yeah, no, yeah, that's not I how mean, it works. I mean, in a lot of just families in general, I right. think even in the world today, I mean, this is going to be controversial. Kids are like, you know, that that one unprotected class almost that, you know, it's okay to treat kids certain ways because they're just kids. They don't know better. But man, if you really take it to heart, kind of that kids have autonomy, let's have the same respect we would have another right. adult, man, you will learn a lot. Oh yeah. I have learned so much from my Forget kids. Yeah. About it. So my daughter, my daughter teaches me stuff all the time. Absolutely. All the time. Absolutely. And I I wish um I wish I had known now um, or then, I should say, while raising my oldest son. He's 32 mm-hmm. now. Um, but I wish I, and I was 18 when I had him. So there's, there's that. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you were a kid yourself. Ch- children raising children. Yep. Raising yep. Situation. So long story short, I wish I had known then what I know now. Yeah. Um, I would have done a lot of things differently. Same. You know, um, even with my middle children, uh, my my uh, youngest son is 21. My young, uh, my oldest daughter is 23. You know, I, I would have done things, that, although they were, you know, they didn't grow up being spanked. Or no, but it's that still, saying that every kid has a different parent. Right. No because doubt. you're a different no person. No You've learned it, so much between children. And they always think the youngest one is spoiled. Yes. But it's because we're just too tired to do anything about it. <laughs> yes. My parents always said that. <laughs> no, I'm Absolutely. teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, anyway, I'm Mike Sewell. Amy Alexander has signed off for the night. She's on her way to Florida. Thank you very much for joining the 70% podcast. Uh, please like, share, uh, subscribe, comment. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, Thanks for listening to us tonight. Enjoy your evening. Thanks, Mike. No doubt.